0: Jesus, we do come to you this morning and we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might hear your word, we might uh, apply it to our lives, we might be transformed by it in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, please be seated. Good morning again. There are more of you here than I said when I said it last. It's always wonderful to be together. Uh, We are in a sermon series now for a while called His Story. We're looking at God's story in the world and how it applies to us. And uh, we've, uh, if you've been around for a few weeks, you know that we are making huge leaps in time. Last week we had it had been 400 years. Well, two weeks ago it was 400 years between the story of Joseph and the uh, leading out of captivity in Egypt, and then there are a few years passed, and God gave the Ten Commandments, and now about 40 years have passed. So if you're feeling a little bit older today than you did last week, it's because we've gone 40 years down the road. All right. um, and we're now at the story of Joshua and the uh, the uh, conquering of the promised land. Um, and there was... A, so I want to tell you a story about a woman uh, or something that a woman said. Her name was Henrietta Mears. She was a great pioneer in Christian education. She was a champion of faith in Sunday school and vacation Bible school, and many lives have been transformed by her. And she, in reflecting on the life And book of joshua she landed on the promise that god makes to joshua in chapter 1 verse 2 where god says to joshua now therefore arise go over the jordan you and all this people all of god's people into the land that i am giving to them to the people of israel see god is giving them the land and it is theirs to go in and possess it is god's to give henrietta exclaimed and it is theirs to possess and she draws this implication for those of us who are christians in a very similar way the promises of jesus are his to give and yours to possess So while the theme of the book of Joshua is Israel's possession of the promised land and their enjoyment of it, the theme of the Bible, the story of God, his story is about the Christian's possession of the abundant and full life found in Jesus. The forgiveness of your sins, the overcoming of death and life now in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is yours to possess and enjoy. So the question this morning is, how do you fully take possession of God's promises in Jesus Christ? See, this is an incredibly important question. It was important for Israel, even though they didn't have Jesus yet. All of this points to Jesus. Despite the fact that God had rescued them from Egypt many of them actually failed to enter the promised land they failed to take possession of the very thing that God had promised them and they failed to enter the promised land because they didn't believe God could deliver on his promise and it's an important question for you and me as well Jesus, in Matthew 16, he warns that humans have the tendency to go our own way. We love ourselves too much. And he tells the disciples, if anyone would come after me, you must deny himself, or he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? See, we often fail to take possession, full possession of what God freely offers. Even today, even to those of us who are in Christ and in the church, there are those of us, perhaps even you, Who fail to possess the fullness, the abundance, the peace, the power of life in Christ. Why is that? Well, the reason for Israel and for the disciples and often for you and me is we insist on our ways and not God's ways. It was Frank Sinatra who summarizes quite perfectly our human condition when he sang, I did it my way. The story of Joshua is full of good news. And he is a model of faithfulness to God's call. Now if you, uh, were, uh, if you have read this story before and if you listened to it when it was being read a minute ago, uh, you might have noticed and I will admit that there are some disturbing parts of this story. The idea that God would tell his people to go in and conquer the land and spare no one. For some, this idea is offensive. Uh, Could the God of love, the God of Jesus, command his people to wipe out everyone in Canaan, the promised land? Now, it's a fair question and one that honestly we don't have enough time this morning to fully discuss, but I'd like to make a couple of points to this just so that we uh, we can hear this. In the Old Testament, it is unusual for God's people to initiate battle. Normally they are responding to someone else's aggression or they are doing an act of sin and attacking somebody else. Second, in Joshua there is a degree of hyperbole being used in the word of God. Israel did not in fact wipe everyone out. Many continued to live in the land. The hyperbole is to say basically this, that Israel won a complete victory. It became their land. Third, it's often best to characterize that these battles and victories are more like God's righteous judgment on the world towards humans, basically God versus man, rather than Israel versus a particular group of people here, the Canaanites. God is our perfect and holy creator, and he rightly judges and brings about consequences to human sinfulness. Finally, I want you to notice that there's a hint of mercy shown even in the midst of the victory, God has mercy on people who are not Israelites. Rahab, because she has uh, she has decided to uh, she put her faith in God and to help God's people, she is spared. So even with all of this, the whole book of Joshua is a story about God finishing His work it 's about God fulfilling his promises in the face of obstacles, and this friends it 's good news for Joshua and it 's good news to us that God finishes what he starts and the question we 're asking ourselves this morning and i 'm asked uh, is this: how do we fully take possession of what God promises? It is his to give, and it is ours to receive and Here are three ways in which I think the story of Joshua tells us to take full possession of the promises of christ first we hear god's plan second we hear god's process three we obey god's call the story of joshua helps us in this first joshua hears god's plan this is why he is one of the greats of the Bible. Why we look to this? Because of the truth of the of the scriptures, the truth of God is that he is a God who speaks. He hears God's plan. He knows that it was God who first promised to Abraham that he would lead them to the promised land. It was God who preserved his people uh, by sending Joseph into Egypt so that he might uh, help them in a time of famine so that they didn't die off for lack of food. It was God who eventually rescued them from slavery in Egypt. It was God who uh, led them into the wilderness and gave them the relationship that came from the tabernacle. He said, I will live here. I will speak to you from here, and it is here where I will forgive you your sins. It was God, despite Israel's unwillingness to enter the land under Moses, who raised up a new generation under Joshua's leadership to actually take the land, to take possession of it. God is continually at work. This is the story of Joshua. He's fulfilling what he promised. He it is a God who speaks. And so when we get to Joshua chapter 6, you might have noticed this. We read just a little bit of Joshua chapter 1, and then we went to the story of Jericho. In between, basically, Joshua is bold and courageous. He enters the land. He takes the people across the Jordan River and has received the promise of God. And now they are sitting outside of Jericho. And again, it is God who speaks to him. I want you to hear this clearly god is a god who speaks and if you will ask him if you will listen to him if you will read his word he will speak to you this is the great gift is that we can have intimate relationship with him we can hear from him he can tell us his plan we can follow him because he tells us where he's going and what he wants us to do So the first thing is God made a promise and he spoke it to his people and he spoke it to Joshua and he will speak it to you. The second thing is that Joshua hears God's process. He instructs the people through Joshua specifically how to defeat the city of Jericho. Now, I am no military strategist, but I do know this. That if you want to win a battle, this is probably not how we do it by our world standards, right? Here's what you do. You get seven priests, because we're really scary individuals, and you give them some ram's horns, and you follow them around the city. I mean, think about how silly this must seem to people who know at least about other battles, right? Let's follow some priests... Then let's uh, carry a box, because that's scary. And then let's uh, do this, and then we'll put some soldiers in the back. And then we'll do this, but we're not going to say anything. And we're not even going to grumble. We're going to be silent. Prince, this doesn't seem how you win a battle, is it? Let's show everybody all of your, soldier, should, uh, your shoulders. Uh, show everybody all of your soldiers, right? And then once you've done this for six days, and then the seventh day, you do it a a much longer time, and you walk around, and then eventually the priests blow the horns, and everybody shouts, right? Like, this is not how battles are won. God's showing them a process by which he will give the city to them. God is showing you and me a process of living for him in the world as his disciples that doesn't always make sense by the world's standards, but it is the way that we fully possess his promise. We don't do it by power. We do it by humility. We don't do it by uh, uh, being compelling or coercive. We do it by being friends. We do it by love. You see... God shows Joshua a process, and God shows us a process. He often calls us to places in which we seem to face insurmountable objects with ineffectual means, places in which we, places in which you must depend on him God speaks his promise God speaks his process and third it is Joshua who trusts God and obeys the call and leads the people and gives the victory Jesus excuse me Joshua believed that God would take care of them if they were to follow God's instructions and the same friends is true for you and me God will take care of you. He will prosper you. He will, uh, If you will go where he leads and do what he says and be obedient to his call. This is how he calls us to live. And this is how you actually take possession of his promises. They are his to give and yours to receive. This is how you actually experience perfect peace, perfect provision, perfect purpose. By living into his call and by his standards faith that shows itself in obedience this is the story of joshua this is faith is not dependent on him thank goodness it's not a faith that's actually dependent on us but it is a faith that is dependent on who god is and what he will do it's a faith that's dependent on his promises on his abilities, on his faithfulness. See, Joshua heard God. He believed God. He spoke what God called him to speak. The people obediently complied, and victory was had. He, God, is worth following. It reminds me of a story about a certain military captain ...who led his troops into a very difficult situation. And he he knew the next day that he wanted them to be full of courage. So disguising himself at nightfall, he went around their tents and listened to their conversations. Until he heard one of them say, you know what, our captain is a very great warrior. But, and he's won many victories, but he's made a real mistake this time. For see, there are so many thousands of our enemies... And he has only so many infantry, so many cavalry, and so many gun- guns. And the soldier was sort of making out the account and was about to sum up the uh, paltry resources at the captain's disposal. And unable to handle it any longer, the captain came bursting into the tent. And he said, how many do you count me for, sir? As much as to say, I have won so many battles... You ought to know that my skill and my ability can multiply any resource just by my proper handling of them. Friends, though our obstacles in life may seem insurmountable and the ways God calls us to live might seem ineffectual, they are in God's hands powerful. His power is is made perfect in our weakness. His ways are not our ways. Friends, he has a plan for you. He has a process for you. He has a call for you to obediently follow. And our prayer then is this. God, show us where to go. God, show us how to act. God, help us by your Holy Spirit to be obedient to your call. And let us see your victory. Friends, if you want to take possession of what Jesus freely offers to you, you must hear him speak. Not just in a sermon, not just in your private reading of the Bible, not just in your prayers, but in a community. He is speaking today in this place, but not just from this spot right here. He's speaking in your life groups. He's speaking in your conversations. He's speaking around the dinner tables that you gather together as friends. See, he's establishing his community to do that which he's called them to do. If you want to take possession, you need to hear from the Lord. You also need to live by his ways. I think one of the most difficult, uh, one of the most debilitating uh, events in the Christian's life is that we love the promise, but we refuse the process. We go, no, no, no. This life is not making dis- about making disciples. This life is about making retirement this life is not about humility this life is about garnering and keeping power this is life is not about feeding the poor it's about feeding myself at the newest most fancy restaurant friends I'm I'm just being honest those aren't necessarily your problems Although they are, they're my problems. I refuse to take possession because I refuse to do things by God's ways. And that gets us to the third point, which is about obedience. God is calling us to faithfully, obediently follow him where he's going and to do what he's doing. May God give us his Holy Spirit that we might actually say yes to that and no to the world, that we might deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Let's pray. Father, you are good. And your ways are good. And your promises are good in your son, Jesus. And I pray that we would hear your promises and your call and your plan. And we might go. We might follow you. And we might experience through obedience, through your power, all the promises that you make. You've made it clear you're giving them to us. Lord, would you help us through your Spirit take possession of them? In Jesus' name, amen. amen.